Hey everyone, thank you so much for pressing play on this episode, and I really do hope that you stay around for the remainder of the duration because there is a lot to be covered, not just reviews of albums and singles, but also for the first time, a recollection of a concert that I attended last week. But before I get into all of that, I feel like this is the most appropriate way to start off this episode because it is a topic that really means a lot to me. So for those who might not know, uh, the vocalist of Counterparts, his name is Brendan Murphy, uh, he had a cat named Kuma who he documented all over his Twitter and it was very evident the love and admiration that he shared for Kuma and vice versa and then also the love and admiration that fans of his shared for Kuma. Over the weekend, Kuma passed away and it is absolutely shattering to have to watch somebody go through anything like that because it is just like out of this world painful to deal with the loss of a pet who meant the world to you. Um, I, I think some of you guys kind of understand like how this podcast is predicated on my cat Mikasa and her passing and what that did to me and also the fact that this podcast is part of my healing process through all that. So it it's definitely something that like really, really is like so heartfelt to me and it really means a lot to me and I just wish all the best for Brendan. I hope he's okay. I hope he has the best possible support system around him to help him get through this abysmal and life-altering event and just you know if you are a pet owner if you have cats dogs whatever it might be i i implore all of you guys to just never ever take for granted what these little creatures mean to us what they are able to provide for us the fact that we even have them is a a, a miracle and a blessing in their own right so um you know just all the best to brendan Rest in peace, Kuma, and right now I'm going to go into a few seconds of silence, and I want you guys to use that time to just think about whatever it is that you feel like right now, reflect on whatever or whoever you need to, and just use this time for yourselves. Thank you. Ulterior. So there is no chance that this doesn't end up being one of the most important and stacked episodes of Ulterior, the show that I ever put out, because there is more to get through than just uh, music reviews for last week. Uh, I actually touched grass. I went to a concert. Uh, I will say this, though. While I was at that show, it felt like everything was disintegrating in the world outside because... Uh, Adam Levine and Ime Odoka are some sick motherfuckers apparently and then there's like Twitch drama with Misgif and XQC and uh, other stuff that I'm like trying to wrap my head around so yeah the world was disintegrating around me but I didn't care because I got to go see I Prevail, Pierce the Veil, Fit for a King, and Yours Truly and it was the most exhilarating experience I have ever been a part of in my life. I have never just uh consumed anything in front of me the way that I did this concert. Um it was my first show in almost three years. The last time I was at a concert was Bring Me the Horizon, Sleeping with Sirens, and Poppy, and that was October 25th, I believe, in 2019. Um following the pandemic, I really like bided my time and I wanted to make sure that my first show back warranted that title, if that makes any sense. I didn't want it to just be a bill where, you know, I like maybe 
a few of the bands or just the headliner or everybody but the headliner, whatever the case might have been, I fucked with this entire lineup. And even if this had happened like next month and I got Stan Atlantic instead of yours truly, that still would have been so fucking goaded. So um, just to kind of give like a brief recollection because I don't want to go super, super into detail because I like the idea of keeping some of uh, these experiences personal to myself. Um, so I got to the building and actually I'll start with this like weird little tidbit information. So I did not go into this concert blind to the set list by any of the bands. I knew what songs were being played and when they were being played. It was just information that I preferred to have. Um, so when like picturing myself at this show, I had the selfish vision of lights on by yours truly being my first song back to concerts. And that meant a lot to me because of like the lyrical matter of lights on and how much that song has grown on me in the last few months. And at my show, they open with bruises, which is a great song still, but it's not lights on. So I initially was like a little bit irritated by them opening with bruises for my show rather than lights on, but it was actually for the better because I didn't get to my seat until the end of bruises. So had they opened with lights on, I would have practically missed the entire song and that would not have been good. I would have been very, very, very angry online at nobody, honestly. Um, but yeah, they open with bruises. Uh, yours truly, there's some fucking hoopers, man. Like they've got this shit down. The stage presence of Michaela Delgado is insane and everything clicked for this band. Every song they played, lights on, hallucinate, walk over my grave, high hopes. Like they were fucking amazing. Um, Fit for a King, I had never seen them live before. I'd never seen any of these bands live before, actually. Fit for a King, this was my first time getting to experience them. And you could tell, like, the genuine appreciation and emotion from all the members in the band because this was a home state show for them. And just like yours truly, like, they were fucking on one, y'all. Like, they were great. And I don't even, like, really, really, really fuck with Fit for a King like that, but they were amazing. And, the material that's coming out on the new record, the name of it escapes me right now, but um, they played End as well as uh, Falling Through the Sky. Those songs deliver big time. They are uh, amazing live. They sound massive. It definitely enhanced the listening experience to the tracks uh, on streaming services. So I can only imagine what my overall level of appreciation for the album is going to be now that I've been able to see Fifer King up close and understand just how fucking good they really are. And then Pierce the Veil. Holy shit, guys. Like, there are so many things I can say about Pierce the Veil and the set that they played and just everything about it. The energy from the fans, the energy from the band. It was the most complete synchronicity I have ever seen between audience and performers ever in my fucking life um just you know from the moments where like the lights go down and people know that they're about to see pierce the veil and they're chanting the band's name the top of their fucking lungs and then vic comes on stage and you get into hell above and just everything about that environment and that energy was one of the most euphoric things i have ever experienced in my life i honestly do not doubt the likelihood that Pierce DeVale played the best set I have ever seen from a band live. And I know, like, you know, I I've seen Bream of the Horizon twice, so why wouldn't it be them? I think there's a difference between uh, experiencing Bream of the Horizon live and Pierce DeVale. And Bream of the Horizon has, like, more of a 
I guess like a brooding sense to them and that's totally fine that's kind of what they go for but with Pierce DeVille it is just like really fun and energizing and infectious and it's this connection that I can't really explain. They convinced me that Pastor Nirvana might be like a top five or three song for the year, honest to God, no cap. I already loved Pastor Nirvana, but just getting to hear it live and how fucking amazing it sounds and the way that the crowd got into it, like Pastor Nirvana is fucking everything to me right now, guys. And there were so many other moments in the set that I can just like fucking fanboy over to the end of the world, like Caraphernalia and Circles, like I had a fucking blast singing those songs live, I forgot that they were playing Imagine the Water, they played that shit, the riff, I almost fucking shitted myself, guys, I'm, I'm not lying, and I know it's cliche, but I got to hear King for a Day live, I can't express what that means to me, and the emotion that just exuded from me hearing it live and watching the videos back that I shot and just closing my eyes and visualizing everything again and just having the crowd screaming, uh, you know, myself included, I I never thought that would happen. I genuinely never believed I would actually get to see Pierce Vell live and I fucking did and it was the fucking best. And in some ways, it felt so unfair to have Pierce Vell in that spot because while this was I Prevail's headlining tour, honestly, just ask the majority of the people there who they went to go see, and they would say Pierce DeVille. There were a lot of I Prevail fans there and people who were way more into I Prevail than Pierce DeVille, but the comparison is almost non-existent. Like, this was Pierce DeVille's show. I Prevail just happened to be the headliner. And I Prevail were amazing just as much, I think. I Prevail really kind of cemented themselves in my mind about them being like a top five band in the scene right now and the songs off of uh true power they are hitting live like not just body bag and uh bad things but then also uh deep end and fucking um doomed doomed was one of the coolest things i've ever experienced live and just them bringing up the piano um brian and eric getting this moment of just complete somber emotion from the crowd it was beautiful guys just a, a fucking stellar ass show everything that they played prior from trauma and lifelines they have enough staying power to warrant being a part of this band's staples for the rest of their sets for the rest of their careers i mean and closing with bow down is such a fucking op move i I had a blast during that song. It was one of the highlights of my night, just getting to be in that crowd for Bow Down and just everything that came with it. And I Prevail, it was a long ass set that they played, but they were energized and fueled all the way through. Those guys are fucking showmen in every sense of the definition of that phrase. This was an amazing concert. This was fucking stellar. I loved everything about it. There was not... A, a faulty moment whatsoever yours truly fit for a king pierce the veil i prevail all four bands filled with fucking hoopers and they were amazing all the way through so that was my experience with the true power tour uh i'm not gonna shut up about this concert ever in my life and because all four of these bands have material out this year expect to hear me mention this concert over and over again in december for the Top 100 Song series, as well as the Top 50 Record series. Um, I also want to mention briefly, uh, because 
the true power dates for Florida this week were postponed. I just want to give my best wishes to everybody in Florida who is going to be affected by Hurricane Ian. Uh, just, you know, stay safe. Uh, keep everybody updated about how things are going. Just please, please, please be okay. I ask that from all of you Florida homies. And I did spend quite a bit of time talking about the True Power Tour, so I do need to go ahead and move into the singles rundown for the week. So the highest rated single on my end for Scenic Overlook came from Sick Brain, and it is called Fear the Sun. I think Sick Brain is like kind of quietly doing a lot of really, really cool and memorable shit this year. Um, she had the EP Ashtray for Your Agony back in December of last year and just, you know, quite a number of songs on there that I still go back to regularly. Um, the feature with, uh, Maggie Lineman, Break Me that I talked about last week as part of Sucker Punch. That's also really, really good. Uh, but this honestly might be my favorite song by sick brain at least from her solo stuff um she is incredible on this song and i really do admire the progression of it and how you know you have those very chaotic scream filled moments from sick brain that are patented to her act while having a chorus that is very accessible and very catchy and very infectious and not that it's surprising to hear that from her but it's just something where it's like, I hear this and I'm reminded of just how versatile this woman really is. Uh, I, I love Fear the Sun. I think it is an extraordinary song. Um, she is doing the most right now. She's on tour with Bring Me the Horizon. She's the opening act before Grandson and Knocked Loose. Uh, if you happen to uh, have the chance to go see Bring Me the Horizon, obviously go see them. And obviously go see Knocked Loose. But at the same time, uh, get there early for Sick Brain because I think she's doing a lot of really cool shit and she really, really does deserve the attention. Another act that I think deserves attention is Outsider Heart. They have a brand new single called Numb and it features, I apologize for probably fucking up this name, Bam Vino. I can't say your name, Bam, but you're a hooper, honestly. Uh, so, Outsider Heart, they are just like really, really quietly one of the premier young bands in the scene right now, in my opinion. Um, they had the EP Entertainment out back in, I believe it was July. And it is one of the just like coolest little hidden gems in the scene over the last few months. I think there are some amazing songs in there that a lot of you guys listening could really latch onto if you give it the chance. And I guess maybe they're immediately moving into the next phase of their careers with Numb. And I'll say this about the single. I'm not gonna mask its nature by calling it like grandiose or unique or something that's gonna revolutionize the scene. Um, no, it's very standard pop rock, but I think that the sound Outsider Heart have found up to this point is very, very remarkable and it is, um, very advanced for where they are, honestly. 
um, numb. It's just like really fun and catchy and it's so easy to sing along to. The hook of You Make Me Feel So Numb, maybe, you know, a little bit too bland at times, but just the way that it's delivered here. It is amazing. I love this track. Um, uh, amazing work overall by Outsider Heart and Bam, if that's how you say your name. I apologize if I'm fucking it up, which I probably am. Um, Poppy. I will never, ever, ever get tired of talking about her. She got a new single out called FYB. I believe this song came out exactly a year after her last record, which was Flux, back in September of 2021. Like, my 35th, 34th favorite record of that year, something along those lines. I think that's where it was placed. Um, I I want you guys to understand something, and I've said this time and time again ad nauseum, but I'm just relaying the information now and again because it's been a minute since I've gotten to talk about Poppy. Um, If you were to ask me to name, like, the five or 10 most important figures ever in my life for music. One of them is going to be Poppy. I think she is a generational star. She is fucking perfect, has never missed on any of her projects post uh, poppy.computer back in 2017. Um, just an amazing talent all in all. And with FYB, I think we're seeing some kind of a mixture of the sounds that she had on Flux and then what she was doing prior with like Eat and I Disagree. You have the uh, the chaos and the just like frantic nature of the chorus. It's very like punk rock inspired. And then the verses are really like reeled back and they kind of give that ominous feeling that I associate so heavily with older poppy stuff. And whatever the direction ultimately is for Poppy moving forward, I look forward to it, and I am very eager to get to hear the new EP Stagger, which is out October 14th. What I'm not really looking forward to is the amount of work I have to put in that weekend, because every fucking record ever is dropping October 14th. It's fucking insane, guys. Like, I literally already had to take off work for that day. You know how crazy that it is? I'm taking off work for the sake of my makeshift podcast and being able to devote time to it. That's a little bit weird to me, but, you know... You do what you gotta do, I guess. Uh, but yeah, FYB by Poppy. Very good song. We got another new single by Dayseeker ahead of the Dark Sun album. This song is called Dream State. Dark Sun is dropping November 4th, and thus far for the rollout, three singles in, Dayseeker be cooking. Like, this is quality fucking work that they're putting out, and that's not surprising, but it's just something that I wanted to point out. Um, so, Dream State, I don't think it really ventures too far away sonically from what we heard on Neon Grave and Without Me, but it is the delivery by every member of the band, and Rory's just immaculate performance is something to really marvel at. Um, I believe I saw him say on Twitter or maybe somewhere else that Dream State lyrically is about um, following the passing of his dad last year and the dreams he was having about him and how like 
the dreams kind of bridge the gap between, you know, our world and potentially, you know, the afterlife, whatever you guys perceive that to be. Uh, just a really, really powerful message and something that I want to commend Rory for being able to put into words everything that he's feeling emotionally because like that cannot be easy whatsoever. Um, it, it's a really fun or that's a weird way to phrase it fun, but it does have a fun sound to the song. I do love how it's um, able to carry so seamlessly from like the emotional verses into a really singable and energizing chorus. Uh, Dream State is like the perfect Dayseeker song, and I am hoping to get way more of those with Dark Sun, and I feel like I will. New varial single called Circles. This is off of the album Scars for You to Remember, which, hey, guess what day that record drops? October fucking 14th. The hell happened that day, man? Um, it's whatever, and I don't even really know why I make a big deal out of it when so many of the projects dropping that day are just, you know, putting out heater after heater after heater right now, and Varials is no different. Circles was one of the most surprising songs I heard last week because of how different it sounds compared to what I expect to hear out of Burials now, and then even in comparison to the prior two singles, uh, Cycle of Violence Chapter 1 and 50, Circles has a more um, like standardized new metal or alternative metal type of a sound going for it, and it's actually really, really fucking sick. I think Burials provided a ton of variety in the best way possible through Circles, um, if there are more tracks like this on the record, I really, really, really want to hear them because this is the exploration of a side of Varials that I am like just more than eager to get more material from. The final single that I will be going in detail on comes from Thousand Below and it is Face to Face. This didn't actually make Scenic Overlook, but I still wanted to talk about it because it's Thousand Below, and I would feel like a giant fucking fraud if I just brushed over any bit of new material from them. Um, I, I think the reason why it didn't make Scenic Overlook, other than just, you know, there being 10 other songs this week that I thought were good, was because I actually don't prefer Face to Face over Venenosa or Gone to Me, which were the two most recent singles from Thousand Below prior to Face to Face. Um, face-to-face -face is kind of, like, kept short and to the point, um, a very, like, just, uh, good, straightforward initiation into Thousand Below if this happens to be your first time coming across the band, and then even if you're an experienced listener, like, just being able to get these sounds from the band and this kind of a vocal performance from James, like, it's very fulfilling and rewarding as a fan. Um, I... I know the record is coming out soon for Thousand Below. I know that a December release is apparently likely, and that's fine to some extent. Um, for the sake of my show and the platform that I run, um, 
I'm going to need that December 2nd date, little bro, if you're going to go a December date, because December 2nd is my cutoff for season two, and any record coming out afterwards has to be factored into season three, and I'm not trying to hear a new Thousand Below album like on fucking December 30th and be like, oh yeah, this is great. I can't wait to talk about it in a year, you know? Um, it, it, it's really dumb little uh, tidbit shit that like only applies to me and none of you should give a fuck, but uh, that's just my little rant about it. Face Face is good. I don't know what I'm saying. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a four or a five to in the reviews on social media. 2016 by 4Weight featuring Titus. Iridescent by A Bitter End featuring Clem Richards. We Are Eternity by Awakened Providence. Elysian by Artifiction. Blue Monday, which is a New Order cover by Dead Posey. I Kill Everything by Death by Romy featuring Away. Saddest Soundtrack by Ian Dior. Oathbreaker by In Search of Solace. 2022 by Ellis Dunes. I Need Help by Nerve. Stay Away by Outline and Color featuring Avoid. In a Breath by Pink Shift. I'm Fine by Royal and Serpent. One of a Million by Soft Cult. Talk to the Manager by The Hara. Chloe by Two Friends featuring Jutes. And Dysmorphia by Where Oceans Burn. There was one song that I gave a 3 out of 5 to, and that was You Are a Mood by Nova Cub. Um, that one was weird because it's not like a, a bad song by any means, but it is very, very, very average coming from a band that I know they can put out quality. They had like my, like a 99 or 98th favorite song of the year for 2021. So I know that they've got that Hooper mentality in them. I just need to see it more. And then, uh, Bottom Out by Party got a two out of five. Um, the production wasn't there. I, I just really, really couldn't look past that. And it was not very enjoyable. Like it, the song structure itself and all that shit, like it's fine, but it, the experience was pretty subpar, honestly. And that is going to bring me to the two albums for the week for me to discuss. And the first one comes from Novelist FR and it is Deja Vu. FR as in France, that is what that stands for. Uh, this band is not named Novelist for Real. Although that would be pretty sick, honestly. They should be called Novelist for Real. Um, so, just to kind of uh, explain a little bit of my connection to Novelist, they had a record out back in, I believe it was January of 2020, and it was called C'est La Vie, and it was the last record of theirs to feature uh, Mateo on vocals, and... I, I said connection, and it's something that I will probably never really explain publicly, and um, j just a lot of personal and really deep emotions for that time period right before the pandemic that I just, like, hold so close to me and I will cherish, and specifically the title track, Say La Vie, like, that song... It is beautiful and moving and just so gripping and captivating all the way through. And it's genuinely probably one of the best songs I've ever listened to in my life. And very quickly thereafter, things for myself just went downhill. And um, I, I think it was around April of that same year. So like right at the start of everything shutting down. Um, Mateo had parted ways with Novelist. I think it was like a mutual thing where the band and himself just knew that they couldn't really come to terms on a creative direction and 
hearing deja vu, I can understand where that um, distance might have come into play, and we'll get to that later on, though. So, Mateo left the band, and they ended up picking up Tobias Reich, who was in Alaska. And I'm going to say it again, you know, I explained the personal connection I had to Say La Vie. Alaska, they were some premier hoopers in the scene a couple years ago. In 2017, they had Phoenix, which is one of, I think, the most overlooked records of the last decade for metalcore. Um, just a, a really solid act all around. And the singles that they were dropping up until the, the band, was that a core horn? Probably. Um, the singles that they were dropping up until the end of the band's tenure, like those were also really, really fucking good. Just everything was looking up for Alaska. And then all of a sudden it was just gone. And so to have this incarnation of what is basically novelist and Alaska combined, there were a lot of expectations on my end that I, I don't think were met, but at the same time, maybe they were just unrealistic, if I'm being honest. The first kind of like teaser for this direction of Novelist came back in November 2020 with the single Lost Cause, which did end up making the record Deja Vu. Um, so with Lost Cause, I feel like that did a really, really, really good job at showing the new direction of Novelist and how there would be a lot more like metalcore defined stuff moving forward as opposed to what was going on with Say La Vie. Um, looking at like the material that is presented here on Deja Vu, I think Smoke Signals is such a cool opener with a lot of the elements that make up Novelist's identity now. Um, the pacing of it is great. I, I think in the chorus, Tobias is just excellent all the way through. And, you know, hearing Smoke Signals, I'm like, all right, we got something here. Like, this is going to be a fun record to get through. I'm really excited for this. And I, I stayed excited all the way through. That really never diminished. But there's something about this record that I really do need to point out because it, it's just like a startling decision. Uh, there are five interludes. And most of the time, there's only one track between Zoo Interlude. So, like, you have May follow Smoke Signals, and then Heretic, and then Colas. Heretic is the, like, quote-unquote real full song sandwiched between May and Colas. And it's a very weird direction. I, I, I don't hate it, per se. I just wish I had more of an understanding of, like, why this was the decision made for novelists. Uh... I'm not really in a position to complain about these interludes, though, when the quality of them is, like, pretty uh, substantially great. Uh, Air, Rest, and Bias, I have this great affinity for because uh, a lot of the guitar work in them reminds me of some of the somber work that was implemented into Say La Vie, so I'm able to kind of have, like, that attachment to novelist prior work, but I wish it was coming through the full-length tracks rather than the interludes, if that makes any sense. The closest moment I get to that is in the outro for The Answer, which might actually be my favorite song on the record as of right now. I think The Answer is such a complete song, and it feels like so in alignment with both Novelist and Alaska, and it feels like this track was the culmination of everything that has been going on with this band for the last two and a half years. Um, and like I said, the outro section having that really cool, um, you know, almost uh, old Polyphia-esque sound going for it, 
That is so captivating to me, and it really, really is um, such a high point on the record. And I feel like there are a lot of high points uh, present here on Deja Vu. It's just that maybe they get masked by some of the odd creative decisions, or at least what I perceive to be odd creative decisions, because, you know, having all these interludes, in some ways, it does dilute that enjoyment I could get out of, you know, songs like Do You Really Want to Know and Terrorists and uh, Made by Design. These are all good songs. I just feel like this record could have really benefited from having more of those rather than more maze and uh, colas and airs. So in that sense, I don't fully understand Deja Vu and what it was going for. But from looking at just the material and not trying to like, um, you know, wrap my head around thought processes in any way, this is excellent. I, I think novelists have a good base of a sound going for them right now and building off of that or building up from that going into the future can really really benefit them and showcase the abilities of everybody within novelists i just feel like right now was their chance and they for whatever reason didn't take it and decided to go this heavy interlude route and it's a, a little bit jarring and puzzling but at the same time i don't want to complain too much about it when I do think that the material presented here is really, really fucking strong. Um, so I, I guess I'm just saying that I wish I had a better understanding of why novelists went this route. And maybe with that understanding, I would be more high on this album. But as it stands right now, I feel like this is a good record, but it feels incomplete. And now moving into the second remaining and final album for the episode, The Hum Goes On Forever by The Wonder Years. Something that I will own up to right now is having not used this platform to fully give the Wonder Years their flowers. And the flowers that they have more than fucking earned by this point. Um, I am not as like caught up in or invested in the lore of the Wonder Years that so many people are. Um... You know, I, I've heard all the records, I've soaked in the material, and I think they're a great band that puts out great material, just maybe not material that I am always, um, like, so ready to immerse myself in, if that makes any sense. I personally think that the high point for the band came in 2013 on The Greatest Generation, and not looking at The Hum Goes On Forever, because we're going to get to that shortly, but, you know, prior to that... Everything from the Wonder Years, I, I feel like Greatest Generation was the one that I looked back on so many times, and, and there were a bunch of songs on that album that have been in my rotation, you know, time and time again, Passing Through a Screen Door, We Could Die Like This, and The Bastard, The Vultures, The Wolves, which is honestly my favorite Wonder Years song ever, and I know that's a weird take, but it, it's just what it is, dog, it be what it be, um, with uh, records like No Closer to Heaven and Sister Cities, I almost feel guilty in a way for not having the strong attachment to those albums that I know so many of you guys do. 
And it's something internally, I'm sure. It's nothing that the Wonder Years did wrong. The Wonder Years have been great all around. It's just something within me where I'm like, you know, not fully able to attach myself to those projects. And maybe it's a time and place thing. Maybe it's because No Closer to Heaven dropped a week before That's the Spirit. Maybe it's because Sister Cities dropped in April 2018 when my life was seemingly disintegrating. And that's not to say that The Home Goes On Forever benefits from time period because right now, shit is not great. But I'm in a position right now with Ulterior where I am giving more things um, like more of my ears and my brain than I would have without this platform. And that is where the benefit comes in for the home goes on forever. And hearing this record all the way through time and time again, I feel like I really missed out on using the singles rollout to explain to all of you guys just how fucking stellar and well put together the Wonder Years are sounding this year. Like, I know that I put Low Tide in the Scenic Overlook, and I'm glad I did because I think Low Tide is like a top three or two thing that this band has ever done. Um, but I was listening to Wyatt's song a couple times in last week, and it, it's not clicking in my head. Like, why didn't I gas up this track back when it dropped in June? Like, what was I missing from Wyatt's song? Not what was Wyatt's song missing, what was I missing? Because at this point, it is my fault entirely. So you press play on The Hum Goes On Forever. The first song you're greeted with in a very melancholy, diabolical way is Doors I Painted Shut. And the first thing you hear is Soupy giving the lines... I don't want to die, at least not without you, alone here in the August heat and the shadows of the afternoon. I don't want to die, but I'm petrified of getting up. There's a draft coming from underneath, a door I swore I'd painted shut. And he's doing all this, like, with very minimal instrumentation in the background, and you're kind of just sitting there forced to hear this guy sing and the um, the agony in his voice, and it's like... Not really done in an emo manner so much as just like a fucking painful manner at that. Um, the Wonder Years are masters at getting across that really like dark, somber emotion to a listener who, even if you're listening to this like in a good mood per se, the Wonder Years are going to fuck you up. They're gonna little bro the shit out of you, dog. And I think that's such an admirable component to the one years because there are so many other bands I can think of who like try to do this or they do it just not to the extent that the one years are capable of. It's like this is the kind of really um, like worn down dreary music that I don't really have a ton of issues listening to. Like I don't really feel like I have to be in a certain headspace to get to enjoy a record like The Home Goes On Forever or a band like The Wonder Years in general. You know, they come up and shuffle. I'm not really going to skip it. I'm just going to sit there and let them use my brain for a few minutes or whatever the span is. Um, the song Oldest Daughter. This shows off an element to The Home Goes On Forever that I think is just fucking quality and sensational altogether. And it is the callback to past material by the Wonder Years. So, Oldest Daughter uses the chorus, Madeline, I don't think that'll see you again. Madeline, I love you, but we both know how this ends. Madeline, the tide is coming in. 
And you can trace this back to a song on The Great Generation called Madeline. And, you know, I'm hearing this ask myself, like, wait, is Madeline the, you know, the titular oldest daughter? And it creates this uh, additional layer. And it falls into what I was saying earlier about how I'm not so well versed in the lore of the Wonder Years. But hearing a track like Oldest Daughter makes me believe that... I've been missing out on something this entire time, something really, really enjoyable. There are three tracks on this record that I want to single out right now because um, out of the non-single material, these were the three songs that I was able to like really put on a pedestal and say, you have done a fucking stellar job at showing me what the Wonder Years are offering at this point in time with The Hum Goes On Forever. Cardinals 2... Uh, Lost in the Lights, and Old Friends Like Lost Teeth. So, Cardinals 2 was ranked number one in Scenic Overlook, meaning that it will be entered into the Top 100 Song series coming in December. Um, with Cardinals 2, what you're, like, forcefully listening to here, if you choose to invest the time in The Home Goes On Forever, is a deeply, deeply cutting song that brings every element of it down a sewer along with Soupy's vocals. Like, Soupy is taking you on a journey where it feels like your body is, like, just being dragged alongside cold metal while your face has, like, candle wax being spread all around it. It's a very grotesque and malevolent way of describing the emotions that I feel every time I listen to Cardinals 2. And, you know, I keep pointing out lyrics with the Wonder Years. I feel like this review is not complete if I don't do that. So here's a bit of Cardinals 2. Bruise and paper cut. I built a thousand paper cranes for good luck, but I can't protect you. I had my chance and I fucked it up. That line right there. I had my chance and I fucked it up. Coming right after, but I can't protect you. That does things to your brain when you are so easily able to put yourself in that position. And the the memories and the, the thoughts that come flooding into my brain whenever I hear something like that, it, it is a true testament to the provoking nature of the Wonder Years and just how incredible they are at mastering this craft and bringing to you, the listener, songs that you are never going to forget, for better or worse. Um, Lost in the Lights is a little bit more upbeat sonically, but fucking lyrically, no way, dude. Like, it, it's another showcase of the Wonder Years having this songwriting ability that doesn't try to mask anything in, like, crazy metaphors or ridiculous wordplay. They're just kind of spreading all this out there for you to take in and they don't really give a shit how it's done when i was 17 i wrote a song about how i'm drinking kerosene to light a fire in my gut and i'll be coughing out embers for decades to come was 17 with a fire in my gut it's raw it's truthful it's unapologetic it's the fucking wonder years and i wouldn't want them to be presented any other way um old friends like lost teeth has some pop punk energy that feels like it embraces the full band energy of the wonder years in an appropriate manner but it, it still allows them to carry the emotional weight that other songs like cardinals 2 manage to do so and 
I feel like getting these three tracks, you know, on the same record and then throw in Low Tides and um, Wyatt's song. And it, it just feels like after all this time, I am being given this material by the Wonder Years that paints the image of their disparity and the connection that the audience members have to them clearly like really really fucking brightly clearly more clearly than ever before like i get it with the wonder years on the home goes on on forever in a way that i didn't with sister cities or no closer to heaven i'll throw two other songs into this mix to kind of complete my you know overall thoughts on the home goes on forever songs about death is haunting it is just brooding and chilling and it's the kind of song that, you know, in the midst of all of this just overwhelming sadness, you get a track that is above being somber, just very eerie and ominous and creepy. And I really, really love that dark nature to songs about death and just how it really, really takes its time to be whatever it wants to be. It can be soft. It can be heavy. But no matter what, it is unforgettable, and it is unforgivable in that same regard. And the closing track, You're the Reason I Don't Want the World to End, just another instance of the Wonder Years kind of being able to dictate their own direction and their own sound, and how no matter if they're, you know, um, kind of like embracing a heavier side or a more somber side to their um, their presentation and their packaging, you understand full well what they're doing. Um, I cannot express my admiration for the uh, like the closing structure of the song and how it kind of ties all of the themes of the record together. Um, in the bridge, you hear the lines, I don't want to die because I got to protect you and you're the reason I can't leave here, the reason I don't want the world to end. And just how it goes back to some of the other moments lyrically in the record, like the doors I painted shut, you know, it starts off with that same line, I don't want to die. And Soupy is reaffirming that in this track, I don't want to die. He doesn't want to die. It's uh, a really crazy way to look at it about how you start with, you know, this declaration. And it feels like almost um, forceful on the doors I painted shut, like he's forcing himself to say it. And then once you get to... Um, you're the reason I don't want the world to end. It kind of has a bit more weight to it because you've made it through the progression of the whole record up to that point. Um, the closing lines being put the work in, plant a garden, try to stay afloat. I have taken that kind of to heart last week. And it, it's just something where it's like, you know, it, it's a part of Wonder Years lore. It goes back to uh, Won't Be Pathetic Forever. But it doesn't just exist as part of Wonder Years lore. You're able to take these lyrical moments and kind of morph them to whatever is happening to you on a personal level. And I, I feel like that's just another element to the Wonder Years that I, I can't take away from them. I, I can't even find any reason why somebody wouldn't, you know, fuck with this band for that alone. Put the work in, plant a garden, try to stay afloat. That's kind of all you can do at the end of the day. You try to stay afloat. And it's something that I, you know, I beat myself up over a lot when I feel like I'm not doing what I can to stay afloat. But I'm having to use moments like this to understand, like, you know, 
I am a person. Soupy is a person. All of you guys hearing this right now, you are people. And trying to stay afloat is the essence of survival, really. And so if you're hearing this right now, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, you are staying afloat. And I cannot commend you enough for that because shit is hard. It's really, really, really fucking difficult to just, you know, have your head above water metaphorically. But I feel like with The Hum Goes On Forever, the Wonder Years are kind of, in a weird way, rewarding me for staying afloat by telling me all these things that I don't want to hear. But I need to. And I'm very thankful that they're doing so. Um, The Hum Goes On Forever, in my opinion, is the best Wonder Years album ever. I do think it is better than Grace Generation, No Closer to Heaven, Sister Cities. Um, there's just something about its nature that is something that I am able to attach myself to right now to a greater extent than I have been able to with any prior Wonder Years material. Um, so many of these songs will stay with me for the rest of the year and the years afterwards and my life altogether. The Hum Goes On Forever is a perfect release and I cannot thank the Wonder Years enough for bringing this into my life and my heart at this moment in time when a lot of this shit I really, really, really needed to hear. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week for me to review and... um. I don't really have a ton to say. I just kind of want to reiterate what I mentioned earlier about like, you know, guys, let's try to just stay afloat and not really take the things for granted that we, or take what we have for granted, the things that we have for granted. Um, everybody in Florida, I hope you guys are safe. I hope you guys are managing. And if you're in a position to need to recover afterwards, I hope that goes as seamlessly as possible. Anybody who needs good vibes of any manner, you know, right here for you. You can count on me. You can't count on anyone else. You can count on me. And I just want to reiterate again, like, I am doing my best to stay afloat. And if I can try my best, I want you guys to do the same. I didn't mean for this episode to end on such a weird, somber, emotional note, but I kind of just feel like that's the most appropriate thing to do coming off of The Hum Goes On Forever because this record does things to me, dog. Like, really, really spiritually does things. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it alone now because my cat Historia is next to me right now and she wants to play, so I'm going to go ahead and go do that. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And, as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.